number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show, where interesting, intriguing, and exciting people engage in unscripted exchanges of ideas, stories, and perspectives. It's not an interview. It's a powerful conversation. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Stuart Knight Show. On my show today, I have a very cool guest. His name is Ruri Fairbairns. Ruri like brewery. And you will find out why that is an important component to this conversation today. And uh, I'd like to say hello to you, Ruri. Hello, Stuart. What a, what, a, what a pleasure it is to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a it's a pleasure to have you, and thank God I've got you, uh, not just you as the personality, but you with the technical skills, because uh, for those of you who are listening right now, I have been trying to record this conversation for about 20 minutes, and um, thank God Ruri came to my aid. He is now the one recording my show, and he's going to send me a version of my own show to myself. So you know what? I can tell you, I'm a true pro, folks. Don't forget it. It's the Today, uh, it's the Ruri Fairbairns Show with Stuart Knight. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> on the Stuart Knight show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we're going to kick this right off and get right into it. Um, you know, I want you to, if you can, just give a, you know, my listeners here a bit of a background on yourself and what you're all about and how it is that we came to be in this conversation. And I'm going to fire a bunch of questions at you because I know, you know, from the very short period of time that we spoke off air, uh, you are an extremely interesting guy. I love your energy. You've got uh, lots of zest. So give us the uh, the background and then we'll get right into it. Absolutely, a lot of energy. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, I'm born on the Isle of Mull. It's a small island off the west coast of Scotland. Absolutely beautiful. If you uh, if you ever get the chance to go, and um, yeah, growing up on the island was a, a, a magical upbringing. And my parents always kept me really thinking big, um, and that anything was possible. And I left school uh, just before the legal age at 15 years old. And set up my first business, um, and f- this is where it's helped me with this podcast because it was in IT sales and servicing. I set up a little local company, um, fix pe- fixing people's computers, and I was determined to be Richard Branson. Um, um, that that is that was the life goal, um, right. and I uh, eventually I, I had to shut down that um, that project. It didn't go as well. I needed to learn how to sell, and I started various sales careers from being very successful at selling door to door a corporate sales job selling plant machinery and thought, wow, I'm really good at sales. So I set up my next business, a sales outsourcing agency, employed 10 people for um, for three years. And um, while I'm doing all this, uh, I, I'm, I'm ADHD. I've been incredibly hyperactive my whole life and huge, huge, huge amounts of energy and often really struggle to control that energy. Well, mm-hmm. I'd say I've never really been able to control the energy. And um, <clears throat> neither was anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, as was very common with, with things like ADHD, I was finding myself uh, numbing. But not numbing in the way that I'd come home and drink alcohol. I would uh, just party a lot. I loved partying. I loved going out. And I could party hard and function, um, which right. was unlike a lot of people and still still um, make these businesses work. Mm. Um, by the time I was 26, I'd set up five companies. And um, I call myself a serial failpreneur. Uh, because um, <laughs> I've failed so many times. <laughs> Congratulations. <Yeah. laughs> nice one. Thank you. Um, totally invest in me. Um, 
I'm, I'm sending money as we speak. <laughs> it's a no-brainer. Um, I found myself uh, back on the Isle of Mull after being in the city a couple of times and, and, and drinking fairly heavily, wondering what to do, what the next stage was. And, um, you know, letting people go is always very hard. And somebody said you should apply for the TV program, The Apprentice. Now, um, The Apprentice, this is 12 years ago now, 13 years ago, um, right. The Apprentice over here. So I was applying for Series 2. I'd never seen it. I went up pretty drunk, filled out the application form. And <laughs> six months later, month, you know, interview after interview, flying down to London. Eventually, I'd signed a contract and I was getting ready to go on the show to be on The Apprentice. No and kidding. over here we have Sir Alan Sugar, not uh, not the Trump man. Um, so I um, uh, sat outside the studio for four hours with producers coming out, going back in, coming out. You're going in, you're not going in, you're going in. It was all very confusing. And eventually they came out and in true TV style. They just don't care about you. They said, you know, you're not going in. We can't explain it. Off you go. You're going back to Scotland. Wow. And I was like, well, there's no way I'm going back to Scotland. You know, I told the whole of the island that I was going to be um, a superstar on this TV program. And they were all waving goodbye when I got on the ferry. And that would be my mum, my dad, you know, my siblings and the dog. That's about the whole island. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a couple of sheep. And um, and um, so instead, I got to the Heathrow airport and I looked at the departure board and I saw the next flight was leaving to Ibiza. Uh, for those okay. that don't know, Ibiza is a crazy party island um, in Spain. And um, you can literally never stop partying if you so wish. Right. Um, so I went over there and um, went a bit loopy. And then a few days later, phoned some friends, found a friend of a friend was staying out there in a villa, went to join them. And that is where I met a broker who introduced me into the world of broking. And I got a job as a broker in London. So I always okay. say to people, I never got hired by um, Sir Alan Sugar, but I did get hired by David Houghton. Right. <laughs> And, nice um, one. It was when I started broking, um, you know, that really it fit me, me my personality perfectly. Um, mm. Huge work ethic, enormous amount of energy, um, love people and um, party hard and be right. paid to take people out and party. Um, sure. And that's great, great wild fun. It facilitated a lot, but um, alcohol became very, very prevalent. And I, when I say prevalent, I just need to, to quantify that to people because I think when you stop drinking, people think that you've got a problem. Um, mm -hmm. and for me, I was drinking, I was probably drunk twice a week, once during right. the week and once at the weekend with friends. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so, I, <clears throat> so, uh, wind forward, I meet my wife, I've now got a kid, um, and things are starting to wear thin. I'm getting a bit of friction in my life my health isn't, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm crying, um, sometimes on the way to work, feeling mm -hmm. a bit miserable. Um, I'm not living how I felt like I wanted to live. Um, my relationship is getting a bit frosty. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not surprised coming home at four o'clock in the morning and can't find my keys, so I'm asleep on the doorstep or something stupid like that. Right. And um, so, um, f randomly, I um, I decided, and this is through a, a, actually an anger management program I was taking. Um, uh, I've discovered that alcohol and coffee are the two biggest instigators of anger. And really? I didn't realize that. So I thought, okay, well, I'll drop them for 90 days. And mm. on the 90 days, my world changed. Um, and then f beginning the, the beginning of the world change then led me to stop drinking for two years. Now, before I stopped drinking, I believed that my whole world would crumble um, mm. and that I, I would lose my job as a broker. In fact, somebody senior may have said that to me. 
and <laughs> and I was convinced that I might lose friends and things, and I was just so wrong. My life changed in all positive ways. My revenue increased by 50%. My costs reduced by 30%. I became a better broker, better husband, better father. And I realized, together with another broker in the city, that we needed to help people to realize this massive change on their doorstep, this massive thing. So... Andy, my co-founder, he'd been studying positive psychology, NLP, mindfulness, all that kind of stuff. I'd been reading that stuff since I was 12 years old. Um, and we put together a program together with the three professors of um, positive psychology in the UK. And um, this program was to help people change their relationship with alcohol. And that is how our program, One Year No Beer, was born. We launched it February last year, and we are now 16,000 members in over 100 countries. And we have... It just changed people's lives in incredible ways, and it's really exciting. And this is just at its beginning; it's starting to grow very rapidly. Wow, that is that is incredible. And, and I've got—I mean, I found myself wanting to ask you a thousand questions, but I didn't want to interject because I wanted to make sure that we were getting the full story before we went forward. Now, um, actually, before we do go forward, and I know that this is something that I, normally my friends out there who are listening, because I've got Rory doing the recording. Do you have headphones on right now, my friend? Yeah, I do, yeah. You, you do, okay, because if you didn't, we would have some problems. All right, so, um, okay, so first of all, where are you right now? Where, are we, where, where am I talking to you today? Where do you live now? Are you still in London? Yeah, I'm in a little village called Stoke Poges, just outside London, near Heathrow Airport. Oh, okay, and what, what took you there? Um, so we, I, I was living in London, and, you know, once I had a wife and and, and and child, I, I you know wanted to move further out, and a friend of mine said, "We're moving out to Beaconsfield. It's a really really cool town. Do you want to come out with us?" So we mm-hmm. we moved out there. We rented to begin with, um, uh, suburbia, not too much of a commute in. You know, I could get in in fifty minutes, and we wanted to buy a place. And my wife found this fifty um, percent renovated barn, two hundred year old barn um, wow. that was for sale, and that became a two year project. And we actually ran this. We built this at the same time as creating the One Year No Beer project. So I've been a very, very busy boy. But I would never (laughs) have been able to do that without dropping alcohol. So now we have this unbelievable space, this unbelievable home. Um, My wife is Swedish, and um, she's actually started her interior design because of the the home we built here. It's an incredible house. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. And I I should let the listeners know that you now have two kids, which, of course, has kept you even that much busier. Two little girls. I know they are incredible. I love them very much. How old are they? Four and two. Four and two. Okay, so now let's backtrack for a second. When you say um, that you've got 16,000 members in 100 countries, what does it mean to be a member of your website or a member of this organization? Yeah, so when we originally launched it, um, we launched it and we gave away um, everything for free. So um, what we wanted to do is, is create a viral change. And we worked with Sterling University to quantify, and we did a lot of testing around this. So we very quickly gained several thousand members. I think we got up to 8,000 members in the first six, six, um, first six months. So when mm-hmm. I say a member, this is somebody who has been through our signature program, the 90-Day Challenge. And we've had over 16,000 people in 100 countries go through that program. Okay. Um, and um, so, you know, in our community, you know, we've got 5,000 people in our Facebook group. So people come, they leave. They come back and do the challenge again. Uh, once you've done the challenge, that challenge is yours for life. Interestingly, when we had Sterling University work with us, what we established was that um, people were the their accountability, um, the amount they stuck to the course, and how often they were looking at the emails and the content, and therefore being successful, um, improved when they paid. 
And, you know, right. there's so much science around there. And the problem was we wanted to create a world-class product which created, you know, huge change in people's lives. This is not just alcohol, okay? That is the trigger that's in. But everything that we guide you through, it's like having a life coach. It's like going through a life change, a mindset change program. And alcohol is the focus because that's the one thing that's holding you back in your life right now. And when mm -hmm. you drop that, you become more like a sponge. And it's perfect time for us to be really working on your mindset. Um, Amazing. Well, you know, it's I, I should say this for everyone listening, and it's just so a uh, kind of coincidental. And I'm sure this is maybe not the first person that said this to you, who's interviewed you about this or had a conversation with you about this. But um, it's been a big conversation for me lately. You know, uh, I grew up. I grew up, I should say, with. Um, you know, British parents who uh, alcohol was just part of your culture, as yeah. you know, being from Scotland. And uh, when I was 14 years old, I was allowed to have a glass of wine with Thanksgiving dinner. And that was never an issue. And and growing up with two other brothers as well, I mean, we didn't have a really stringent rule base. So you could go out and you could get alcohol and you could party at the age of 16 and get obliterated drunk. And and now it's funny in my life, I'm a 44-year-old man, I've got two children, and I do find myself having a very active social life where I'm out with people all the time, and I, alcohol is always part of it. Um, and I will find myself getting in so into a conditioned routine of drinking alcohol that even when I'm not out uh, at night, I can be at home, the kids go to bed, and I sit out on the back porch, and it's a nice warm summer's evening, and I think, well... Why, why, of course you're going to have a glass of wine. Of course you're going to have a beer. And it's been something that I've recently been taking a look at. And so it's one of the reasons I'm always excited to speak to my guests, but I'm extra excited today because it just seems to be um, so uh, so much coinciding with my own life. And and so so when I think about that, you know, what are the biggest benefits? I mean, you say that uh, that obviously I can't imagine the amount of time that you end up uh, finding on your hands, but what are other the, the other benefits that you found in your own personal journey, as well as the journeys of other people who are members of your site? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for for almost everybody, they go through an epiphany, and the epiphany happens sometime between typically 40 and 60 days. And this is why when you do a month off, it's just not quite enough. Uh, some people get it in eight days. That epiphany mm -hmm. is, oh my God, I feel amazing. And <laughs> right. energy rushes back, and that youthful... Um, youthful spring in your step, you just feel happier, healthier, you're more productive, um, anxiety gone, depression lifted, and, and for varying other people, so the majority of people feel those things, mm -hmm. and then other people have dramatic changes in other areas, and I'll go on to some of those. So we have people who've had major psoriasis problems gone because they dropped the alcohol, We've had um, people with, uh, some people, um, anxiety and depression, that doesn't go, it actually gets a bit worse. Not the depression, but the anxiety. And mm. um, and there's something key about there, which I'm happy to drop back into if you want to ask me about sure. why that happens. Mm. And um, the uh, another absolute classic is Mark in Dubai, um, five years of IVF with his wife, told mm -hmm. he would never, they would never get pregnant naturally because he had a low swim count. He did 100 mm -hmm. days of my challenge and they got pregnant naturally and they've had their child, a daughter, named her Amber Faith after the color of our logo. Oh, wow. Amazing. Um, that is incredible. So the thing I say to everybody is I don't know what will change for you, but I absolutely promise that if you stick it through and follow our challenge, which is very, very different to what other programs are out there, there mm -hmm. will be dramatic changes in your life. And I'm reaching out to anyone who is drinking 
above the limit, and that would be 14 units a week. So that right. is, what, five large glasses? Yeah, that sounds about five right. Five large okay. glasses, five glasses of wine a week. If you're drinking any more than that, you will have a major change in your life when you stop drinking alcohol for 90 days and follow our program. And is the idea that when someone takes the 90-day challenge and that they've gone through it, is the idea that they will never – and I know that you don't – you know, each person probably has their own goal. But is the would, – would you say the goal is for them to just stop drinking altogether or is it to reboot the system and to kind of reinvent their definition of their relationship with alcohol? I tell you what. I don't think anyone who starts the challenge knows exactly how it will change for them and mm-hmm. I don't know. But what we do is we create, we make you aware, we build awareness of what your habits are doing. And when you've got the awareness, you then turn around and become your authentic self. You feel your authentic self. Okay, who I really am. Do mm-hmm. I want this in my life? Now, when it comes back to you, so, so you get through the 90 days and you say, hmm, I don't really want to go back to that anymore. We, we realized 84% of our members chose to carry on after 90 days. How massive is that? That's huge. Because the vast majority of them were like, I'm not sure I would even want to do 90 days uh, uh, when they start. And then when they get to the 90 days, they choose to carry on. The other thing is, uh, so I did two years and now I drink on special occasions. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I choose when I want to drink. And to be honest with you, I'm always going to be this person who breaks the rules a little bit. I have to sort of facilitate that in myself. Maybe right. that's the ADHD. Maybe that's a bit of self-destruct. I'm working, mm-hmm. you know, constantly working on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm always going to be someone like that. So the pressure for me to stay completely off alcohol was too great. And I was like, this is, I can feel this inside. I actually want to go back to, not go back to drinking, but just to have an occasional drink and for that to be okay. And now it's an incredible spot. Now I'm like, you know, I might have a beer or half a beer or half a drink and not carry on. You know, I might not drink something for a month or two months in the run up to something, um, Mm -hmm. something special. But I've got that full control. Now, did you have to deliberately put yourself then in situations where you're no longer around it to be tempted by it? Or is it did it it become just the point where it was just so easy? You could be at a wedding and everyone at the table is drinking and you're okay with not drinking. So this is what's key about our program. You can go and um, stop drinking and avoid your social situations, you know, hide away because you are socially inept when you're not drinking. You know, people are like, mm-hmm. well, well, you're not drinking. What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Or you can follow our program and um, go out and rewire your brain to realize that you don't need alcohol to have a good time. That you, right. That, that, that alcohol is creating the social anxiety that you feel prior to drinking alcohol you know alcohol is such a facilitator of itself if you look at all the things like oh i want to sleep so i drink well you're 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 um drinking alcohol is causing you not to sleep it's stopping you from getting the deep sleep and people say well that's not true i sleep really quick i go to sleep quickly yes you shut your eyelids but you don't get the rem now this is absolutely scientifically proven you don't get the deep restful sleep that helps your body rejuvenate and therefore you're tired and feel rubbish again the next day, and then you feel like mm-hmm. having another drink again, and then you feel like having another drink. Alcohol perpetuates itself in every in every one of the areas, and when you take it out, the the effects are, are dramatic on your health, on your life. So let's talk about that for a second, just from a physical perspective, uh, a physiological perspective, I should say. Uh, you know, what what would the what would you say in in your research that you've seen uh, as being um, some of the negative effects that 
alcohol has on our body. I mean, I think that we all make those jokes and say, oh, my liver is you know, really upset with me now because I've just been drinking all weekend. I've been partying all weekend. Or we might say something along the lines of that we know that it's um, – I don't know, not good for our, our pancreas. And that's, you know, your average intellectual individual has a good sense of that. But what else do people maybe not know about the physical effects of alcohol? Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, so you know that alcohol is ethanol, right? Right, yes. Okay, so it's not too many particles away from being the stuff that you put in your car. Right. Right, okay, so there you go. <laughs> What do, you think, what do you think petrol would do if you drank that? And you're okay, right. you have it in small doses, and it's incredibly masked with other flavors and sweeteners, um, huge amount of, of sugars and all those things to try and get you to want to drink it. But if it was on it straight on its own, would you drink alcohol? No, nobody would. Right. So they've got to really mask it and really hide it. It's ethanol, and at the end of the day, you're pouring a poison into your body. Um, mm -hmm. You'd say, well, why would you ever drink some brewery? And I say, well, the honest answer is because I live in this society, and that's what the social norm is. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and and occasionally I want to to um, join in. Right. Um, the the um, so I think you know. Yeah, now I've got I've gone way off track there. You'll have to chop. No, that you can't. You don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> what, but when you're talking about though, the uh, I mean, we know that it has um, negative effects on our sleep. Um, do we know? I mean, what do we know about uh, the effects it's having on our heart or our blood or our blood flow or our? I mean, energy levels we know are being affected. I mean, what are people reporting? I mean, you're talking about it actually affecting a man's uh, semen count. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's affecting everything then. Well, you 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 know the the thirty year study which came out you know whatever a month ago. Um, saying that even moderate alcohol is shrinking your brain, causing you know Alzheimer's, dementia. I mean, the, the one thing I want to say right here about this specific subject, I think this is poured on us all the time by the government. You know, it's causing your health problems. It's causing your health problems. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, out of the right-hand corner is, hey, drink me, I'm sexy. Hey, you want to be cool? Drink me. And mm -hmm. that one is way more attractive than listening to what the government is. So I don't really want to join the masses of all the noise out there, which is about how poor it is to your health. And, you know, every time we open up something else, you know, as far as I'm concerned, my trainers are probably giving me cancer, right? Um, right. It's just like constant cancers everywhere. This is all my problem. So I want, to, I want to park that. I want to talk about all the advantages Instead, and that's how one year no beer is. We're talking about the advantages. We're not talking, sitting around talking about how we've got ailments and, and we've got major problems in life. What mm -hmm. we're doing is we're talking about let's take this positive life change because it is incredibly positive. Let's right. be a leader in, a, in our community, in our family. Let's lead mm -hmm. by example. Classic. You've got somebody in your family who's an alcoholic. Sorry, I don't like that word. I don't believe in the term that, that there's a disease. Um, sure. So somebody who has a problem with alcoholism. Um, let's say you've got somebody in that problem and you want them to come on this challenge. Do it yourself. Lead by example. I have, mm -hmm. We have proven time and time again that when you come and make a positive health change, it infects the people around you and they change their relationship with alcohol as well. It's an incredible, incredible system like that. So um, you can help the people around you by taking this challenge yourself. And the other thing is, I think you hit the nail on the head where you said, you know, you've been considering your relationship with alcohol. It's been on your mind anymore. And that's because you would have to be hiding under a rock not to be semi-considering your relationship with alcohol. Because, guys, there's a f paradigm shift going on out there. And the thing mm -hmm. about paradigm shifts is they happen very slowly. Look mm -hmm. at what happened to cigarettes. I posted this up on my Facebook group the other day. 
an advert for some cigarette uh, packet in the US with a mother holding a cigarette to her mouth and a baby. And, oh, the, the, and the title says, Smooth Like a Baby. That oh. was socially acceptable. That was normal. Right? Wow. And think about the advertising now and how attached to identity and how attached to your identity. Just pause on that for a second. Ever since you were b- old enough to look and take anything in, you've been watching your aunties, uncles, brothers, sisters, friends celebrate, commiserate, and congratulate with alcohol. It's been on the TV. It's been around you everywhere. Think about that, those neural pathways. This is like learning to drive, right? When you first learn to drive, it's really difficult. Now learn, now driving is dead, dead, dead simple, right? That's, sure. your, that's your brain shortcutting things for neural pathways. It's done the same thing about alcohol. It's made all those associations. Hey, guys, let's celebrate, okay? Cheers. Let's have a drink. I'm tired. Let's go meet somewhere. Let's drink. So in order to change that, you have to rewire those, those, um, that programming. You have to go against that programming, and that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing and about what, and what do you what do you say to the people? They they come back to you though, they uh, Ruri, and they and they say, oh well, yeah, but it it it'll, it'll help me relax. Or they say it it takes my mind off of things. Or it's uh, totally. after a long day. Yeah, I'm sure you must hear that all the time. Yeah. What's your response to that? Well, those are, these are the key things. I mean, the key things that that we uh, uh, tackle in our program is is developing str- strategies around that. So the answer is. Look at the, um, uh, come on, Charles Duhigg's um, habit loop model. Okay. okay. So you have Q, a Q, a routine, and a reward. Now, the Q mm-hmm. in this circumstance is I am tired, it's a Friday, and I want to switch off from a rubbishy week. I've had enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The routine is to go to the fridge and pick out your favorite beer or pick out the wine. And the reward is the relaxation, the numbing, and the switching off. Now, right. what you really want is the numbing, switching off, getting out of your head, etc. Okay? So do it authentically. Do it the way we were designed to. And actually go to yoga on Fridays after work, immediately mm-hmm. after work. Um, take a yoga class. Uh, meditate. Go for a long walk. Vigorous exercise. Um, these things are state changes. And they enable you to get into a more relaxed state and, and, and move out of your mind. So okay. um, by doing those things the right way, then what you do is you stop facilitating the problem. Like we said before, alcohol has made you that tired and made you that grumpy because you're regularly taking it. Mm-hmm. And then it beca- all of it becomes less. Because you're doing things in the right way for you, you're finding, you're finding solutions in a healthy way and working with your body and your mind, then you don't need to... Um, you don't feel as bad on the Friday. You actually feel okay. And so a little bit of mindfulness, a little bit of yoga is what really keeps you in that state. And you're just notch your state up. Well, and I guess this comes back to what you were saying is essentially reconditioning your entire life where you couldn't imagine going back to the example I gave before. You couldn't imagine going to a wedding or you couldn't imagine um, sitting in someone's backyard at a barbecue or whatever it might be and not having that beer, not having that glass of wine. Um and you couldn't imagine having a steak, for example, without a glass of wine. You do it enough times, then all of a sudden having a glass of wine with that steak becomes the the odd thing as opposed to what the opposite of what it was before. Yeah, that's exactly it. And, and the thing is, with a lot of those things, uh, and this is what's amazing, you know, somebody posted in the community today, oh, I, I had four Bex Blues at a barbecue last night and I felt completely hammered. I'm right. Like, Bex Blue, there's no alcohol in that. What's that about? And I said, well, placebos have been proven to work 33% of the time. And this is a key part of our challenge. 
day day one, day two, day three of your your challenge, your daily emails come through, and we talk about swapping the fridge. Get the non-alcoholic wines. Get the non-alcoholic beers. Um, there's now non-alcoholic spirits. Um, mm-hmm. it's, a, uh, it's the fastest growing beer market out there. Every other beer market is declining. Um, mm-hmm. Non-alcoholic beers are gro- is a growth area. And right. That, and so you can rewire your brain, get through the challenge, still drink beer, and kid yourself and your kid your brain that you're actually getting that drink that you think you want. Um, you know, I've had a long day. I'm going to have a non-alcoholic beer, and so much of the psychology is matching that actually you do relax. Isn't that interesting? You know what I mean. You know, uh, well, I'm, I guarantee you, though, that people who are listening to this right now are, are going to screaming at me to, to to ask you this or to at least say this. Um, but alcoholic or non-alcoholic beer tastes like shit. I mean, and 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 is it is it just a case where because it's becoming a pop more popular thing, or are we just going to find more and more of these spirit makers and these beer makers just getting better and better at yeah. making non-alcoholic beer taste like actual beer? Yeah. I mean, the Heineken Zero, in my in my opinion, is the best one now. Just just recently launched. They've been keeping that under wraps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fantastic non-alcoholic beer. Um, I've got a barbecue this weekend, and I've got a ton of that over here. And I think people are relieved when they come to my barbecue who, who they're driving. For so long, we've not been catering for people who drive or pregnant or just choose not to drink. Their options mm-hmm. are Coke, lemonade, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, but they want a nice drink as well. So, sure. um, so there's a. So the thing I say is, there is a non-alcoholic beer out there for everyone. There's a huge amount. I mean, if you go to drydrinker.com dot com um, mm-hmm. or some a site like that, you'll find a ton of different alcohol-free beers, wheat beers, um, uh, sports beers. Low, you know, the Heineken one is low calorie. It's like eighty cals or something. Normally, they're like two hundred cals for 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 a bottle of beer. Interesting. So, um, so it's low calorie. You're still getting that 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 psychology. Um, so I would say go and have a, a have a tasting. But the other thing is, and 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 we know this without fact, is that alcohol numbs your your um, taste buds, and right. very very soon, you know, it, can, it depends on the individual, but you know, and how much you're drinking. But you know, ten fourteen days in, those those tastes start to return properly, mm. and and when you've done fourteen days with non-alcoholic beers you will really enjoy them. Sure, if you have an alcoholic beer and then straight after you have a non-alcoholic beer, which is how people normally ch- try them, they go, mm-hmm. oh, God, that's horrible. Because right. it tastes slightly different. But um, sure. I, they are definitely getting much better. Interesting. So let's. I want to shift the conversation then now to another thing that I know that people out there are thinking, and that is how we have... I mean, everyone's a foodie these days, and it has become an industry that's just exploded. Um, and every major city in Toronto, where I live, is no different. There's lineups for all the great restaurants, and now when you sit down, whether it's in the actual menu itself or the server is suggesting it, there's all these pairings. It's like, oh, this will taste better with this glass of wine, or you really should have this craft brewery beer that um, <laughs> just came out, and it's got you know whatever extra hoppy taste to it, and it will be fantastic with that hamburger. Um, is this just all part of the same conditioning? Yeah, I mean, um, the thing is, is that we 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 are absolutely love our alcohol, you know, as a society, um, and we are. Uh, look at the size of the problem; it's absolutely enormous. You know, alcohol costs the U.S. economy two hundred and twenty-four billion. <laughs> wow. Um, um, you mean in, in healthcare costs? Ex- is that what you're saying? That is excessive drinking costs for the U.S., and that is. Um, taking into consideration, you know, uh, productivity loss for companies, um, oh, wow. health costs, et cetera, et cetera. So 224 billion. It's a big number. Um, it is huge. <laughs> and um, yeah, but we are absolutely 
blind. People are like, why? Why would you want to give up alcohol? I just and we're so conditioned, right? Um, and and also, the 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 thing about it is, um, part of it is a, is an innate tribalism. You know, we all want to belong to a tribe, and our tribe drinks alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. That's what we've all been taught. So when somebody tries to leave the tribe, they go away and stop drinking. People get very defensive. They're like, "What? What's wrong with you? Why are you not drinking?" You know, they, they, and that is typical tribalism. Um, right. So it's really important for you to belong to another tribe. To be honest with you, in the early days, don't go to those places which are going to try and force booze down you. Um, call up to the venue and say, have you got any non-alcoholic beers? Have you got any non-alcoholic mm-hmm. wine? I'm sorry, the wines aren't very good yet. They are going to get better. Um, right. Seedlip, which is now in the US, that's the world's first non-alcoholic spirit. It's brilliant. You've got non-alcoholic okay. gin and tonics. You've got things like that which are refreshing. Um, proper drinks, have all the ceremony, lots of psychology. Um, so, yeah. Interesting. So um, when you were saying earlier on about how uh, your relationship was getting a bit frosty, as you put it, and you uh, <laughs> were being affected in your work and everything else, um, how did it affect your relationship with your partner? First of all, does she drink? Yes. Yeah, she, yeah, she does. And she does. And so she's, and is she, it... she's definitely changed her relationship since I, you know, I started doing this without a doubt. We both drink a lot less. Well, you said she's Swedish. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so her being Swedish, growing up in Europe, and we all know that alcohol is prevalent in uh, almost, well, I guess every European society. Um, so was there ever any pressure from her to you to, oh, come on, you know, Rory, just just have, have a drink? No, or was she just very supportive? Yeah, very, very supportive. I mean, you know, it was, it was it, without a doubt, it was causing trouble in our relationship. And the thing is, um, I always believe, as I said before, about affecting the people around you. You've got to lead by example. You've got to lead by example in every stage. You cannot stand there and expect somebody else to change. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I, I, and for me, there there were multiple problems in other areas in our relationship. You know, the reason why I did the anger management program is because my wife is incredibly angry. She's had a very very difficult up, uh, upbringing, mm-hmm. um, very dislocated um, parenting, and right. um, and and so this has really affected her. And I've stood for in front of her for years and shouted at her to go and get anger um, management or look after look at her anger. And I was mm-hmm. like, "What am I doing? You know, clearly I've got my own anger problems here because I'm shouting back and and, <laughs> right. and um, you know we've got such a feisty. So how can you tell her to change her relationship with anger if you can't change yours? So that's why I did the anger management program um, because I wanted to understand more about my own anger. Right. Um, and, and and the thing is that when I took alcohol away. Um, what I discovered is that alcohol wasn't the problem in our relationship, right? But okay. it was absolutely masking it. And right. I truly believe, and I'm, we, we will have a program specific for couples um, one day soon, I hope, um, because I truly believe that if you are having any trouble in your marriage, that um, both of you dropping alcohol for 90 days will lift the, lift the fog lift the nonsense the rubbish the nitpicking the 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 insecurities the anxiety in your own relationship the shouting the drunken arguments all will disappear and you'll be able to mm-hmm. talk to each other like real people um so you know that that i find absolutely key yeah okay and and um and then today, it sounds like you've got a great relationship, and it sounds like you've had uh, all kinds of huge benefits that have come your way. When you think about where you're going with this movement, you've got 16,000 members, and I would 
probably guess with a personality like yourself that you would want to have uh, a billion members or the entire world on this site eventually. What what do you do you think that this world in a thousand years from now or maybe ten thousand years from now do you think will be a world that just alcohol was just a thing of the past and and part of our own evolution is to go past that? Yeah, much quicker than that though. <laughs> I mean the the, uh, right. the 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 change. Well. The change in our health, in our understanding, uh, technology, all of these things, there's some dramatic change going to be happening in our society in the next 20 years. No um, uh, uh, alcohol, without a shadow of a doubt, is having a paradigm shift. Um, look at cigarettes, how, how, how commonplace they were. You know, I mean, there were adverts that were, you know, if you can't smoke one, eat them, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've tried on many occasions. Right. I, I don't recommend yeah, it. Lovely. Um, and... and and we will see the same thing in alcohol. Alcohol is going to become, because people will realize the connection that they're pouring gasoline down their throats um, mm. um, commonly, and people want to, to live a healthy life and look at the cost um, to society. Um, the yeah. government will want to change that. They're in a bit of a tricky place because they get a huge amount of tax from it, so they don't want to change it too suddenly. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> um, well, and especially in your own, uh, in, in, in the world that you live in, I mean, us Canadians, we watch, uh, you know, Scotland and, and England and Ireland, and especially with the football players and the uh, disgusting display of, um, of, of violence and anger at those football games um, where we have heard that they're trying to do everything they can to, to figure out, you know, how can we change the relationship the football fans have with alcohol um, so that they don't want to get all riled up and want to, you know, in some cases, kill each other. Yeah. Um, and, and it's important just from that perspective as well. But um, whether it's in Scotland or Ireland or England or, or, or Canada or anywhere in the world, you, you know, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Asia and I would um, find myself in situations where I'd be on a subway at 11 o'clock at night and I'd be on the platform getting ready to get on the train. And I'd look down the line and I would see a bunch of men in, in beautiful suits. And these are individuals who are very successful in business and they'd be puking into the, into the, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the platform. And yeah. I, I found out that, that was uh, one or two times. <laughs> sure, exactly. And, and we've all been there. And, and I, and I, I discovered that in that particular, um, culture that, in many cases, when the boss wants to go out for drinks after work, um, it's a very manly thing to do to drink as much as you possibly can and keep up with the boss and yeah. everyone's doing shots. And then you've got these grown men who are fathers and husbands and uh, supposed to be community leaders just completely Falling about. wasted. Yeah. And, and it's something that, um, without a doubt, we are given this beautiful thing called the body and we're given this beautiful thing called the brain and this incredible thing called planet Earth, and uh, I, I like this. This is the reason why I've been questioning my own relationship with alcohol. Why do I have to sit in the back uh, patio of my, or porch of my of my house on a warm summer's evening and and have you know a couple of glasses of wine when I could also be reading a great book? I could also be going for a fantastic walk. I could also be doing yoga or one of a million things that uh, would bring me just as much joy. Yeah. And um, and I think it's fantastic that. Uh, that that you're that you've created this movement and and I um I definitely applaud you on not only doing it for yourself but being so passionate about wanting to do it for others so you know in closing well, off here tell tell us how can other people get involved with all this absolutely yes yeah. so we've got a book coming out uh, UK US um, in December December the twenty eighth very excited about that that's a twenty eight day alcohol free challenge um, an app coming out next year. Um, you can reach us at www.oneyearnobeer.com. That's all spelt out. Um, on Facebook, One Year No Beer. 
um and um yeah come and check out the challenge i'd love to see you guys on it It, it's absolutely life-changing for people um and the thing we were talking briefly about about before what we are what we are intending to build you know alcohol is just the beginning when you take people through the alcohol or lift the alcohol away they become like a sponge and you know really what we want to do is help them go through a life change um look at their diet look at their fitness uh look at their mindset and and help to really shape that life so there's lots more to come oh that is so fantastic and i think that when i do believe think about the the society that looks back at us in a thousand years from now they are going to have a good chuckle at a lot of the things that we've done whether whether it's the the way we treat the environment the way we treat each other the way that we um you know are, are willing to to spend hundreds of hours at a job we can't stand and in this case you know pour poison down our throats and I am one of those people that in certain parts of my life, I think that they'll think, God, that guy really had it going on. He was smart. And other parts will think, that guy was an idiot. And, you know, those are the parts of ourselves that we have to take a look at and uh, ask whether or not we could be uh, going a little deeper and being a little better. And uh, I think that there's no doubt about it that there's a, uh, I think the people listening to this podcast this time around are many cases i don't think there's many of them that don't drink and i would imagine that many of them are saying to themselves you know what it's time to to take a look at it and for those of you who are listening guess what you know what you do this for 90 days and you can always go back to drinking it's always there so 90 days out of an entire lifetime is not a long time so i encourage all of you to to do it and uh it's something that i think i might actually just have to do myself um uh, you're so- done <laughs> I've got to do this, right? I mean, I can't do the podcast and talk about it. And then uh, there you go. You're lead in. by example, as you said. Lead by example. So whoever else wants to come and join Stuart um, at the same time, then come on over to One Year No Beer and join Stuart in the um, Facebook group with the challenge. He's going to be doing the 90 days. There you go. Thanks, Stuart. <laughs> you know, no problem. All right, folks. Well, thanks for listening and check out our other podcasts. This is Stuart Knight on the Stuart Knight Show. Thank you to you, Rory. You guys are doing some great stuff and you've been a fantastic guest. And I hope that we get a chance to speak again real soon. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuart Knight Show. We hope you've enjoyed this powerful conversation. People are fascinating, and so are you. And the right questions will prove it.